Welcome to the LoFi Crypto Podcast, a conversation about cryptocurrency through the lens of technology, design, community, and education. As always, none of this is financial advice. Invest carefully and do your own research. And with that, let's dive in. All right, perfect. Ready to rock and roll. I have no idea what's happening in this episode, so Sean, I'm just going to turn it over to you to kind of introduce what what's happening. I know we have a guest, Cody, here, but uh, other than that, you know, I'll leave it to you to kind of introduce what we're talking about today. Okay, cool. Uh, well, uh, first, I want to welcome our guest, Cody. Welcome, Cody, to the show. This is a fun guest to have on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited uh, to talk to two of my old friends about a. a subject that sort of i broadly know very little about um but yeah no this should be this should be a blast yeah so so we'll dive pretty much right in so so cody and i go way back to the esports days of like you know the early 2010s and kind of ran up to the same circles and had some interesting kind of corners of crypto be relevant to uh you know years past and so cody is here to tell a story um that uh, I'll just let you basically tell the whole thing or kind of start it. And I'll just, we'll just ask you questions. And, uh, cause I think Max is going to, Max is going to love this. Um, but, uh, well, I'm already excited just knowing that this has something to do with esports, which is, I, I, I've always maybe, known that not really and crypto kind of somewhat adjacent. Well, sure, there's, sure, there's sure. stories there, but, uh, yeah, so basically just, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of talk about Doge these days, Dogecoin. And Elon Musk and all this, and it's it's really interesting to see the Dogecoin now because Dogecoin is old. Dogecoin came out in 2013. That's like pretty much, a, according to most people who've learned about cryptocurrency, that's before they they learned about it. They didn't. They weren't around when Doge came around. And so there's a lot of kind of eras to Doge. There's been a lot of elements of this this history as this community's developed when it, c- cryptocurrency wasn't as popular as it was today. And uh, what today is at least one story about one corner of the history of Dogecoin. So, Cody, do you wanna you wanna start start uh start your tale? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so uh, like Sean mentioned, um, been in esports forever decade plus now which is sort of forever in esports um uh and always had a sort of very elementary understanding of the the crypto world just because it was you know a very online sort of niche thing um and you know my life had me focusing on another very online niche thing uh so anyway despite my my uh novice understanding of the crypto world i do have some sort of you know bonkers stories from doge and its nascency um and i hadn't talked to sean in in probably been like six months or a year and we were we were texting earlier this week and and you know i know that crypto is a huge part of your life and we were talking about doge and and we just sort of like ended up talking about the early days of doge um which was probably the the most intimate i'd ever been with with crypto or a cryptocurrency and anyway so the story's sort of wild uh, I went to a very, very small liberal arts school in Northern California. Um, and in my greater circle of friends, the there were these two guys, um, you know, who weren't, I wasn't particularly close with, but I got to know a little bit better, 
Um, and they ended up making Dogecoin Tipbot. Now, um, this was what year is this? Roughly? This is prop. This is probably they make it in 2014. And for what it's worth, it's like a clone of another tip bot. It's sort of first purpose was tipping people crypto on Reddit, right? Now, Bitcoin had sort of like, you know, significant barrier to entry. And the use case was like a little less appealing to the, to the average person, right? Because the, the domination was so, so, so large, right? Dogecoin at the time worth, you know, millionths of a penny, right? So if you're sitting on some Dogecoin, like the, you know, the path to it ever being worth something meaningful is like not super clear. You know, there aren't a ton of crypto exchanges at the time, right? So these people cloned this Bitcoin tip bot that had been used to pretty middling success on Reddit and brought it to the Doge community where it was a like huge, huge success, right? I think like uh, the tip bot at the time, sort of like even when you were considering like the the major exchanges, um, which were pretty limited and, and scarce at the time, the volume was just nuts. So yeah, anyway, I, this I, is- I think it really was kind of really the first time a community had kind of clicked with a coin, and it was just because people were so generous and nice, they would just tip Doge to everybody on Reddit, and so even just by being around them, you'd end up with money in your like dogecoin bot that you could tip to other people yeah i mean so the way the product worked was it was it was just a wallet right like you you moved your doge to the tip bot and initially you could only tip people on reddit but then sort of where it got interesting was you know they moved over to to twitter and eventually twitch so anyway it's 2014 i'm doing online stuff um and i knew these folks from my college experience experiences like sort of you know roughly they weren't in my innermost circle of friends but my they're close friends with my friends at same town so i i think i was doing freelance journalism at the time and, and actually this is sort of what spurred my my interest was you know I, I have stories that i need to file and i end up going to this event and sort of like you know maybe the first six months certainly within the first year of of doge existing and there's this doge coin event at what was then the WordPress offices. So anyway, I go and meet these two folks that I kind of sort of knew from college. And I, I meet the the founder of Dogecoin, who was like a, a fella from Adobe who, you know, made the coin to sort of like be a meme. Um, and it was just fascinating. And again, keep in mind that in 2014, like, you know, this coin is worth millions of a penny, thousands of a penny, right? But Lots of thousands of, of pennies are eventually worth real money. So the Doge community had already done some meaningful stuff. They like, you know, sponsored a NASCAR car that was, you know, not going to be able to make a race because of something. And they did some like charitable work. So there's this small community um, of folks that are like trading Doge. And this is, again, you know, the world that we were in in the last couple of weeks is, is completely unimaginable to these people, right? But these are mostly folks that like sort of miss what they thought was like the important Bitcoin wave. Little do they know. They're sort of like crypto enthusiasts, but they're also like goofy memers online. So we go to this event and at this WordPress office and it's like, you know, sort of build as like this, you know, it's going to be sort of this like swanky thing, but when you get there, it's sort of like, 
like the the cheapest PA you could rent, and like there's no stage and um, anyway, so that it's Doge, and I and I get sort of like meet the community, and, and it's it's goofy and quirky, but there was you know in the air like this, hey, we're doing real business sort of stuff, and the two kids from my college like had ascended to this sort of like you know level of stardom they were kind of the most popular folks in the community outside of the founder of the coin really um you know they were they were revered everyone was using the tip bot um so i walked away just like really really impressed right uh and then this is sort of where it gets bizarre so dogecoin in its absolute nascency crypto you know i guess sort of like maybe more developed but certainly not to the extent it is today right it's it's a not comparable to what it is today um these two folks from my college town who sort of like put together a dogecoin tip bot which is sort of like really just uh like mysql database like sort of keeping track of, of where all the doge is going really these guys raise a half a million dollars for their business and then they sort of like take it from this like you know of uh you know this product quote unquote that is like being managed by the sort of tracking the reddit api and the twitter api they get a half a million dollars and then they turn it into what they think is like a real business and they launch a website that's sort of like swanky and they start to link all these platforms right so reddit is connected to twitter and twitch is you know punched in at a, a later date and they have this like very quirky landing page where they sort of like explain what the costs are going to be. And it all nets out to zero, right? It's never going to cost you anything. Um, and at this point in time, they're starting to pick up some, some press, right? Uh, if you, if you look up articles from, from the period, you'll notice and, and this one sort of like jumped off the, the page. And this is, I guess why I'm on the, the, the call is at, at one point in time, the person who made the tip bot notes that they'd done 150 grand in volume at the time right um that's crazy I, at the time yes it's absolutely bonkers and i made a, a huge 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 tremendous mistake of sort of like doing the math right and the coin is worth seven thousand times as much today wow <laughs> it's worth seven thousand times as much today right so that's like hard to comprehend actually <laughs> it's 10.5 billion dollars right like and and it if you know like you uh I was telling Sean this, right? It's like, it's foolish to presume that like all of that coin would have sat there and not been liquidated to cash or, you know, converted to other coins. Yeah. But if like you presume that, that of that in 2015, right? Like 5% of those folks are like stalwart devout doge holders. That's $500 million, right? Just 5%. And I think 5% is like sort of in the realm of realistic. Um, You know, they just like, they just hold on to it. So, sort of dogecoin continues to exist the tip bot is sort of working the path to profitability and or revenue is not clear because they're not taking any money anywhere um and i at this point in time i started working at twitch and these folks sort of had like bigger ambitions beyond doge because like again you know it's meaningful money but doge sort of had this reputation for being like a meme currency and even though it's worth significantly more, it probably still has that reputation. You guys are, are better equipped to understand that. Um, and they start to sort of like try and position themselves to to sort of like 
you know, be like a real valley business, right? Like they're trying to figure out what platforms they can integrate with and how all of this works. And they actually spin this really nifty thing up called Honey Ledger, um, which was effectively a tip bot for like real cash. Um, and I actually thought that this was like kind of nifty um, because like being able to sort of like tip between platforms in a, in a frictionless way is like sort of a fun idea. And this was, you know, pre bits at Twitch. Um, so we, talked about whether there was like you know any any opportunity to do this there um and things are just kind of going for these folks you know um their 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 stardom in their community sort of just continues to 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 grow albeit maybe in smaller increments over time and this is where it gets sort of really juicy uh via reddit post in in either 2016 or 2017 they have to announce that they've they got to shut the tip bot down and anything in the wallet just needs to be liquidated because the, the team has, you know, racked up all of this debt. They, they, they spent the fundraising money. Um, you know, there, there are server costs associated with this, you know, they're presumably paying themselves salaries and whatnot. And it's unclear sort of what was left in the coffers when all of this happened, but the, the plug was pulled. And what makes this story so fascinating is like, you know, 7000 x man that's a you know that's a that's a that's a meaningful amount uh you know i i think it's entirely possible that the the stuff in in the wallet is you know thousands of dollars at the time i have no idea right i haven't caught up with these folks in in years and in fact the the sort of like shutting down of the wallet is a, a point of of contention among like the bigger friend group there's sort of like sides as to who is sort of like you know, understands the, that this is just like a business that fell through versus like, you know, there's another cohort of, of folks from my college town that think that this is like abhorrent. Right. But, you know, in Doge's earliest years, there's like probably what's now worth millions of dollars that just sort of like, you know, ended up disappearing. And I, and, and that story is just like, so, so, so unique because again, like there's, there's probably a couple of retirements in there, right? Like if you had, even $25 sitting in that wallet. Um, right. 7,000 X. Right. And that's crazy to me because like at the time, just the tone of the conversation for Doge and then and versus now is so wildly different. Like I'm having like my dad text me out of the blue about Dogecoin. And to know that like this era of Doge was like, it really was rinky dinky. Like it really was like, the, a community trying to just like have fun and then uh, all because of this tip bot. Um, yeah. Like I, I had learned more about crypto in this whole era from probably that tip bot than I did anything else or anywhere else. It was actively used and it wasn't really talked about that much. I'm like, I don't know how much you and I ever really talked about it, but like we both clearly interacted with it on Reddit and on Twitter and on Twitch. Um, and it's crazy to think that it has one of those those founder question mark stories at the end. It does. It's, and I it's, mean, like I th- a, it's, it's a treasure hunt almost. What I think is so fascinating, um, and I, you know, I, I, I want to do my best to not sound like a, an apologist on, on this guy's behalf, but the sort of thing that's just so wild, and, I, and, and this guy is like a decision or two away from being the richest person I've ever met. Right. 
based on a product that effectively was like manage, managing a, a database of, of transactions, right? Like the sort of crypto tech that enamors everyone, right? Like the blockchain tech, not part of his product, right? He was effectively managing the the transactions once the the sort of like, you know, the, the heavy lifting had been done. And I think it's was sort of made it all come together for me. So I'm getting peppered with Doge noise over the last like couple of weeks, right? It's it's everywhere. It's impossible to miss it. You know, f- friends are asking if we've heard anything about it. People are saying like, is it too late to get in? I'm getting texts like that. And I have no idea why it took me until you and I started talking to start thinking about this. But like, um, you know, I did like an advanced Twitter search because I remember testing these guys tip bot at one point in time. And, and there's like this day on, I think it's like January 7th, 2015, where I tipped people 420 coins is a joke. Like I tipped like six people in five minutes, right? <laughs> like, Amazing. And, and almost no one deposited it. I'm sure of it. Right. And if that, you know, had the tip bot not been um, blasted off the face of the earth, that would have been $300 for like seven, you know, seven people. Just, just like you were just making it rain, man. You were making yeah. it rain on Twitter that day. <laughs> it, the funny thing is, is at the time, it's like probably not like if you're just sort of a, a, a middle class person at the time, it's probably a, a net negative to you to go and redeem those coins or like open open a, an, a, an account in the tip bot to, you know, to sort of like claim them. And now it's huge. I So after our conversation, and I'm not proud of this, I'm not proud of this. I definitely spent the better part of that evening scouring Facebook messages from 2014, 15, trying to figure out like, okay, did they tip me these coins to show me how it worked? And then I just like got rid of them all. Or did I like, you know, get some nominal amount from an exchange that's sort of like, maybe it's still right. sitting in the exchange, right? Like maybe I bought like $50 worth and then put like 25 in the tip bot. It, I was, I was like, I was like a junkie. I was, I was going through, I hadn't opened Facebook in a year. I was looking at Facebook messages from 2015. Simultaneously, I'm also like reliving experiences that I've repressed from 2015. It's like, right, just trying to find what you're looking for. Dude, I'm like, it's crazy. So uh, maybe an overshare for the podcast. Like I quit drinking a couple of years ago because I, I just got too old and, and I like drinking way, way too much. There's so much that like from these years, I just like are a blur that I didn't remember. It was surreal like i'm like oh my god yeah i i do remember going to this event kind of sort of and and needing to catch up with this person it was like truly unreal but yeah i spent like four hours like i was texting friends i was like hey do you remember sort of like what the in vogue exchanges were in 2014 and they're like no um that's what i was gonna ask you actually like so i'm the thing that i'm fascinated by is i got into crypto in 2017 and I was aware of it existing prior, but like 2014, 2015, like in crypto years, that's like it's a dark age dinosaur. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's way back. Like I, I have no idea what exchanges actually existed back then. Yeah, I mean, so I've, and if any of your listeners reach out to you and say, "Hey, these were the popular ones," pass those along to me, Sean and Max, because I'm I need to I like <laughs> you need to, to recover an account. Well, yeah, to put a, a fine point on this, like, I think it's entirely possible that, like, I ended up with, like, 10 Dogecoin, and that's $70,000 now, right? Like, um, the tip bot against Scorched Earth, it's it's not recoverable. So, like, any any sort of, like, untipped coins that I had are, are lost forever. But it's 
it's so wild that like 2014 is is not that long ago in sort of normal time when you think about it you know over the course of your life but in crypto which again seems like now it, it feels so mature and sophisticated like it was the wild west and there was literally what you know would be worth millions of dollars just sort of being passed around frivolously um yeah, that's wild on reddit on reddit on strangers reddit, on reddit to strangers and then like um you know the sort of like appropriate farewell and and you can like review the reddit post if you sort of like you know you look up like um you just google it uh uh where the, the guy who created the bot says like hey this is this is a, a, a gg and there's like you know some people that are certainly pissed off deservedly so and then there's other folks who's like whatever man it's dogecoin um and yeah like you know again like uh haven't talked to him and sort of made it a point to not reach out before doing doing the podcast to like not talk to him um this is like this would have become millions of dollars like so uh, can you help me understand like the the mechanics here because i'm 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 just trying to like catch up because I did not interface with this tip bot whatsoever. I know Sean, you did. Um, I didn't, I, I had no idea this existed. It makes sense that it did exist. Um, but it got shut down, meaning that suddenly no one had access to be able to redeem tips. Yes, um, basically and- they had a wallet that carried everybody's tokens. It was a local wallet. Got it. And so shutting down what it ex- what exactly did that entail? Like right, everyone so, losing access to their Doge or Yeah, the Doge is gone. If so if you had, you know, any Doge in that wallet at the time they sort of unilaterally decided that it was game over, that Doge was gone. Um, you know, and that was also so the sort of technical shut off is paired with uh they're like a a business too, and I'm like not positive that well they were a business, like a you know, an incorporated LLC. Um, the business was simultaneously shut down. Um, and in the post, they go on to note that like, uh, the, the remaining doge is, is used to cover debts. Um, okay. So they, know. as a business, they fully liquidated all their assets yes. and the assets were doge and the assets were, were doge. Right. And I, you know, I, I think this is where like the, the little bits of, of, of squabbling over sort of like the, the, uh, you know, the late stages of the Dogecoin tip bot and, and um, how satisfactory the sort of news of the shutdown was. It's like banks can't, you know, if everyone instantly went to Bank of America and asked to liquidate, they were they would be in deep too, right? So like, you know, again, I don't know if like, they're just like a couple of decisions away from being like the the richest folks of all time. Now, I think yeah, you no, probably- there's, did- there's exactly right. There's like, maybe like, less than three decisions that would lead to being like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk level rich. Yeah. I mean, what if six months before shutdown, they bite the the philosophical bullet and say like, Hey, I need to be real with you about the cost of running this. Um, so I'm going to, I need to introduce like a, uh, half of a single percent, uh, on this to, to, you know, keep the party going. And yeah. maybe that gives them like just a, a, a little bit of lifeline. Um, or drain your own bank account in order to keep the doge. Yeah. Well, that, that's, he, that's crazy, but you know. 
as part of the announcement, the, uh, the sort of farewell announcement, the, the, the guy says that he had been doing that and like, he's run out of, he's run out of, of, of ways to, to drum up more money to, to do this. And, and so his, his back is against the wall and sort Damn. of, this is, tragic. this is a really tragic story. And from, um, from my understanding is just sort of like, I, I, we, we chatted very shortly after all of this happened. He went and worked like a normal, normal sort of like mid-level tech job after that, right? He wasn't sort of making heist level moves, right? So I do, I, I, I am led to believe that like he did just like liquidate the Doge because he worked at like yeah. a, uh, a tech company of, of note, but sort of like not, uh, you know, not like a tech darling. And he was just sort of like, a guy he wasn't you know uh, an executive or anything so like i i don't get the impression that this you know was like a dogen's 11 or, or whatever like the, like i think he, right. you know i think like <laughs> homeboys like credit cards were maxed and like he was like listen i got like i believe it too and what's the year that this that this happened or sorry remind me the shutdown this i think was in 2017 or 16 yes yes 16. uh i have the post up yeah, and I'm shutting it all down and leaving crypto for good. Doge tip bot on Reddit will officially self-destruct on December 15th, four years to the day of it coming into existence. Um, I just, I, this is of what note. Year? This, to, uh, this was posted May 8th, 2017. Wow. Yeah. Just before the huge surge in, in crypto. Yeah, what does yeah, yeah, and also what's interesting about this too is um why I remembered this and this came up was because they had a booth at the first TwitchCon. Yeah. So Wait, had, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, what um, floor. You gotta remember that the that first uh the one outside of the main hall, and keep in okay. mind that the first TwitchCon looked, you know. It was the best stark, one, by the way. It was, was a stark was contrast. Painful. Yeah. Yes, it was very, very. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, certainly a big difference between the last couple of Twitch cons, right? So they're like my the, favorite thus far. The exhibitors were effectively given like cubicles and parked outside of the uh, the sort of main convention um, or, or the main theater where like the keynote was. Right, there was no sort of tax style mega booths, you know, with million dollar budgets. Like they gave them cubicles and fold out desks um so yeah so they at one point in time they tried to sort of like pivot to this cross-platform twitch integrated thing called honey ledger and if you like google that like you'll, you'll get some hits on on uh twitter and they it, it just like never sort of hit the velocity that it needed to and again, maybe just a little bit before it's time, like it was like, hey, you know, at, at that point in time, I'm sure you guys remember the chargebacks were like horrific on on yeah. on Twitch and it was like pre-bit. So it tried to sort of like fit that that niche. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was like a, a, the team was like a very played a very bit role in in sort of like Twitch and in, in not its earliest years, but sort of like not in the, you know, not. Fortnite and soccer stadium esports level Twitch years, um, and it's just it's just so weird. And and again, like a decision or two, and you know this guy's on a a, a yacht somewhere, like uh, yeah, a super yacht. Yeah, he's got so a fleet wild. of yachts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's legit, like a fleet of yachts. 
Yeah, that's crazy. Because in in if you think about how close, like granted, Doge, I'm pretty sure took a while to to jump on, like to surge and be part of the bandwagon of crypto booming in 2017. I don't but think it I really know, did very much. No, it, it had a bump. I know it had a bump in that era, but um, it, it, it's you're right that it wasn't significant. It wasn't like the altcoin you know, insane fever dream that is going through right now. Yeah. 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 And, and, and <laughs> now is it now is it absolutely exceptional, but I really genuinely wonder if they had delayed the shutdown about six months, they may have rethought it, you know, or, or it could have been that doge maybe bumped up a little bit and that it could have covered the minimum expenses to kind of keep everything running. Um. Yeah, I. But it's I, just wild. Oh my god! I think god. they were that close. I really do. I really do. And I mean, it's it's. Um, I so there was a bump because I sort of as part of the the lore of this, and I actually don't think I've seen him since the shutdown. Um, as as sort of the lore of this, when there was that Doge bump that you mentioned, it went to like a couple of cents, which again at the mm-hmm. time was nuts for Doge. Um, the the folks who had been, uh, you know. Uh, most significantly burned by the the shutdown and losing that doge, I think like probed around. Um, and there was, I think it was sort of like satisfactory, you know, it was determined enough to sort of like keep the, the gang out of hot water that the doge in fact had been liquidated at that sort of earlier date, right? There was like no hidden cachet of doge um, for, for a rainy day. So, and so, sorry, again, I'm getting hung up on some of the mechanics here because I'm not, familiar with how this worked was the tip bot and the functionality here similar to like almost like venmo and that you could pull the doge out to your own wallet but most people left it in the tip like bot thing yeah sure i mean it's it's not too dissimilar from like a if you had a paypal balance right like you could yeah take it to your your uh you could kick it to another another platform where it could be liquidated for cash, right? So, like, that'd be either your personal wallet or, like, some of the exchanges, right? Um, but, yeah, so, like, you would get some doge somehow. You would deposit it in the wallet. And then in that wallet, there's, you know, sort of, like, the aggregate community's doge. Uh, and sort of, like, P.S., this is not dissimilar from banking. Like, in, in all of the right. doge depositors hope that their money is, like, nice and safe, as it's being tipped, you know, to and, and fro, um, until it wasn't in Doge, Doge tip bots case. Uh, and I think that for what it's worth, and, and you may have like some listeners that know this, I think a version of the bot was rebooted recently. So like I checked the, the sort of modern Whoa. Doge subreddit and there's like a Dogecoin tip bot that exists and is like really, you know, sort of used effectively the the same way the technology boom be like different and it's certainly not the same people um but yeah this sort of like still still exists and in fact it may be one of the big draws of the cryptocurrency if you're sort of like actually interested in that community as opposed to sort of like hey i'm I'm hoping to get like a 2x multiplier on my doge um but yeah it's not particularly sophisticated technology um like you deposit into the wallet and then the 
TipBot has like a bunch of accounts on Reddit and Twitter that are using their APIs to see like, if you're a verified user, right? So like, I know that Cody Connors has a hundred doge in my tip dot tip bot. Here is his Twitter account. Here is his Reddit account. Okay. You know, Cody Connors just threw 50 doge at this guy on Reddit. Um, if they accept it, Cody loses that 50 doge, you know, that it, it's, it's mm-hmm. mostly that. And I'm like led to believe that a lot of that work was like, you know, uh, I don't want to be dismissive of the, the fine book folks who do like DB work, but it was like, you know, mostly managing sort of like, uh, the transactions in a database. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the, the way it worked, you would just write like exclamation point tip and then like an amount, right? Is that how it worked? Yeah. At least that's how it worked on Reddit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, in Twitter, you would like tag the bot and, and say something. It was like very, it was very cute. And, and in fact, I think like this is maybe one of the reasons it could have succeeded. Like I could, if I said blaze it on Twitter, it would give someone 420 doge. So that, <laughs> that, that, that sort of like make it rain day where I was giving out what was worth pennies at the time. I said, blaze it to like seven people. Now, if like, you know, <laughs> that's that so two, two <laughs> weeks ago, that's like $350. I love it. <laughs> And I just sort of like, you know, absentmindedly threw that out to like you six or it, seven man. people. Yeah. I mean, that's why I was like trying to hunt for, I was trying to figure out like how I got to the doge in the, in the wallet. Because again, like if I had dicked around and bought 10 doge coin to put in this wallet, I have like $70,000. Right. Because the on-ramps were so few at that point. Yeah. There was a big... In fact, the sort of like, this is, it's actually so wild how crypto, how far crypto has come. Um, right before that big Doge event that I went to, some of like your, your diehard crypto folks who listen will like remember this. There was, there was like, I think it was called Mount Gox had been like hacked, which was yeah. like, yeah. And, and that had just, deal. yeah, that was like a very, very big deal. And that happened like right before I went to that event. Um, that was kind of the moment in time where the uh, somewhat tech-oriented average person, the narrative that was that, oh, uh, Bitcoin, which was what you referred to cryptocurrency as, um, is not legit. Like, it is flawed, fundamentally flawed, and it will always be hacked, and there will be, people will always lose their money, and not secure you should not probably go near it or take it seriously that was like more or less the narrative that at least i experienced after mount gox yeah and i'm not a i'm not a a crypto guy um to date i think like you know the sort of like the doge tomfoolery which again was worth nothing at the time um and then i i was part of uh it might have been 2018 I'm, I made like the, the teeniest tiny bits of cash. We're talking like a thousand dollars off of that, that Bitcoin bump when it went from like 11,000 to 18,000, whenever that was. Um, I did like a, uh, I, I participated in the, the feeding frenzy, but I'm like mostly uninvolved. But, you know, I think the disappointing thing about that story, Max, is like, that's not really a, you know, I, I don't think that's like a, a the, the takeaway sur- from that isn't like a condemnation of, of Bitcoin, that sort of underlying technology, right? It's like, you you like you as a, a website like really didn't prioritize security to the extent you you should have um i'm sure there's like maybe a, an element like you know certainly the the sophistication involved in the hack was probably like 
pretty pretty intense given given like i'm sure the you know the the wallets themselves all had to have been encrypted right like i think you know the you guys to a better extent you guys certainly understand this much better than than i am to the to the point where i'm not going to say anymore but i think it's like a mount gox failure not like a bitcoin oh 100 no you're absolutely right and actually this my understanding is the conspiracy theories range from the original like some of the founders of mount gox actually stole it themselves or they had some like inside yeah, some yeah. you know some huge a uh, flaw in how they are managing wallets, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not a flaw in the technology of uh, blockchain or Bitcoin itself, and and more of the flaw of the centralized exchange that they were managing. What what followed Mount Gox? Well, while we continue to talk, I can I can sort of continue to go on my Dogecoin hunt, and maybe we you know we conclude the podcast with like a you know. <laughs> yeah, so so I remember getting involved right around after the Mt. Gox thing. Um, I bought a Bitcoin in like 2014, and Alex Garfield made fun. of I me. remember this. Yes, <laughs> yes. he made fun of me so, like all the time for it. So, uh, so to give some context, like who is Alex Garfield, and why was he making fun of you? Alex so Garfield, people can understand, was the original creator i guess not a creator but uh one of the prolific owners of evil geniuses uh who was cody and i's boss at the time which is an esports organization yes yes uh evil geniuses was an esports organization particularly at that era was like the starcraft era and probably the dota era would be 2014 probably more Dota. yeah yeah and we were in the office in san francisco which oddly enough this is a kind of funny detail here Cody, the uh, the um, the coin that uh, Max and I really pay attention to, and if it's is like really really interesting to us, their headquarters is on Howard Street. Like, oh man, they're like half a block down the street, or like a so, block down the street of all places where their HQ is. Is where our where our old office was. That um, is fascinating. Um, but uh, uh. Yeah, so this was 2014. Alex, we were just in the office, and and I I was talking about it probably with you, Cody, and um, he just like thought it was the funniest thing, and he would poke me about it and just give me shit about it. And I remember that Bitcoin was four hundred dollars was the yeah. first Bitcoin I bought. Yeah, and so you yeah, spent four hundred dollars on one Bitcoin. Yes, yes, the very first Bitcoin that I bought, I still have not cashed out and on. Alex Garfield's sentiment was like you're an idiot why did you spend 400 of your dollars that i i paid you (laughs) yes yeah Uh this is the this is the bitcoin story though you know which is so fascinating it's 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 at any given point you're you're in too late you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and 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 that was the and i for what it's worth i probably felt like i was you know closer to alex's side than i was sean because i didn't buy bitcoin i didn't i didn't join him in buying bitcoin but i absolutely do remember this now that sean brought it up um, and in, in some sort of like weird way, just knowing Sean's personality, that, that level of, of skepticism probably galvanized Sean's interest in, in this. And, oh, yeah. and, um, you know, like absolutely is, is in part responsible for Sean's protectiveness of that one Bitcoin. Um, so yeah. the naysaying from Alex Garfield is actually part of the reason you still own it today. 
Yes, yes. It's like, it's a trophy that no one can take away from you. And how do you, Sean, like, I actually have, this occurred to me, like, how do you know you've never spent that Bitcoin? Because uh, I have decided that arbitrarily out of the crypto or out of the Bitcoin that I have still, and I still have more and I haven't moved that much of my Bitcoin around ever, really. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it, it kind of makes I me should think just set like it aside. you should... You should. And I think you should NFT it basically like how people collect, you know, coins like silver dollars and stuff like that. Like, I feel like your Bitcoin warrants um, some some amount of protection. um, It's like how uh, restaurants hang up like the first dollar they make or something, you know. Um, Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. I remember also uh where what there was another story I was going to tell from that era of crypto. Oh, this wasn't it, but maybe it'll come back to me. Cody, do you were the one who broke this story to me. Do you remember like in 2016-2017 when you had remembered that there was a StarCraft 2 tournament that yes. had <laughs> do, you, do you do you want to tell this? Do you remember this? Yeah, I'll have to pull up the the details, but I can tell the while I get the the precise number, I can I can tell this. Um, there was a StarCraft tournament in in sort of StarCraft's infancy, and certainly in in Bitcoin. StarCraft infancy. two or or Brood War two two okay. little small small tournament where the the winnings were so anemic that uh like Is you couldn't get tier one yes yeah, so that you couldn't get real talent to participate right like so no first, from korea first place was like 500 dollars. second place was like 250 you know and it, and it gets smaller and smaller and then i think sixth and seventh and i'll have to pull this up um and i'll kick it to one of you guys but it's like 100 bitcoin which at the time would have Wait been like minute. which <laughs> yeah. would have been worth <laughs> yeah you're telling me that if you were like the underperforming starcraft player at that event you now today would have what the fuck is that worth like i i made a i made a mistake so it is it's it's 25 bitcoin that's i would take that (laughs) i would happily take that's insane fifth through eighth right so like what fifth through eighth you get 25 bitcoin um, Hold on, wait a minute. I yeah. I was platinum in StarCraft. Are you telling me that I could have potentially gotten fifth or eighth it's, between it's bro- fifth and eighth? It's, it's Brood War, so it's like oh, it is Brood War. It, it, it's Brood War, but this tournament took place in 2011, so it's entirely possible that they were like scraping to to even find eight people to participate. <laughs> and yeah, it was like, like twenty. My competition. I just need to know. Like, I I played like barely any Brood War. I played more StarCraft two. But it's just, like, how close was it, I? You probably would not have gotten top eight, and it looks like they got. Uh, Thank you. That's comforting. See. Yeah, yeah. You didn't miss out. Um, <laughs> Thank God. But like, you know, who's my competition? Uh, Who is there that maybe I would know? No, it's one. like it's it's yeah it's it's like it's not notable Korean StarCraft players. It's just like. The weird the folks NA that were still sort of that got big in StarCraft two that were still playing Brood War. No, 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 no. Like it, it's names that I've like never heard of, and I don't want to diminish you know these guys uh, who are just like grinding Brood War. But like StarCraft at that point in time had been out for StarCraft two had been out for at least seven months. So like if you hadn't switched over, it was like really curious for sure. 
Um, uh, and then again, like, you know, if, if you win the whole shebang, you were going to get $500, which is like not meaningful to, to attract a lot of, of, of talent. So it, it's like impossible for me to, to, you know, like very succinctly understand like who this pool of players was like brood war is still sort of popular in, in countries where like, you know, you had a seven-year-old computer, right? Um, it was going to like run on anything. So like it, it did continue to do well in some like Latin American markets. Um, but yeah, fifth through eighth, 25, 25 bitcoins, right? Like, in, you know, which today is, uh, 1.25 or yeah, 1.25 million. So, so that, what's interesting is because then they're probably near the top of like the highest earners in all of esports. Oh yeah, yeah. It's certainly <laughs> StarCraft, which is a game, is sort of like always, uh, you know, like it, the, the, it never had like Dota prize pools, right? Where like you know the team that wins TI is making like north of ten million dollars, and you just have to slice that up five ways. So yeah, I mean it's it's huge, and I and I it's so fascinating because like I wish I could know. I wish, I wish, I wish like the people who got like fifth through eighth could have done this. And I know that, uh, total biscuit did a, a tournament that paid out some Bitcoin, um, prior to you getting in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And this is just like, you know, if you just like, didn't understand how to liquidate that it's worth so much. Yeah. I, I have a friend that was in the early, um, you know, uh, counter-strike scene, um, Sean, you've met Cisco before. I'm not sure if you, Cody, you have, I have. Well, yeah. Oh yeah, you have. That's right. Um, we'll have to get him on the podcast to tell his story because he mined a bunch of Bitcoin. Um, I think the, when we did the math in 2017, he would have been like, uh, he would have had 30 some million dollars and today it would be orders of magnitude more. And as a result of this massive, uh loss i guess because he cashed it out to uh i think i think he bought car parts or something but um or maybe his computer i mean a new computer i'm not sure but uh as a result he refuses to entertain cryptocurrency uh at all and to even look at any of its prices of <laughs> anything because of the epic loss and the trauma that came with that uh because he got bitcoin when it was like before it was cool, but it was literally worthless. And in him making $800 was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's, that's the funny thing about the internet is like all of these stories are just like, it reminds me of old internet where like people were trying to like sell things on the original, like web one, 1.0 stuff. And just like the price was in the URL. And if you just change the price, then it would just like charge you whatever you wanted. Like, like mm-hmm. just the wild West, like truly the wild West, like never even owning a Bitcoin at this point, I never, at that point, I never thought we'd be here. That was never a thought of mine. Never, not even close. Um, yeah, I'm this, so that's actually a really great point. Cause I, I, you know, working in sort of like normie tech, I have, I have this, uh, I have that almost exact same thought all the time. And in, in some ways I'm like, you know. I'm sympathetic to the folks who are like now uh, riding the the sort of like the newest wave of, of crypto, right? Because like the the business of crypto and the sort of like the you kind of information you need to have at any given time is like just so many magnitudes more vast 
than like those those earliest days, right? So like I I occasionally like will field meetings with like ultra rich people who are pitching me silly things, like who got rich like in the first dot com boom. And it's like the internet is so wild now. And the amount of, you know, the 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 stuff that you have to do to move the needle is just like so vast. And then like the first dot com boom, it's just like, wow, you know, this is like not super impressive. You just sort of had to be there, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what this like very, very early uh crypto wave sort of reminds me of again. Like it's two guys from my liberal arts school in Northern California. I think like neither of them had tech degrees, like we're moving volumes of like a very silly meme currency that like legitimately the volume if held onto is worth billions of dollars. Um, you know, the Dogecoin story is sad because like there's just like losers all around in that story. Mm-hmm. Like the folks who made the tip bot could have been just like wildly rich the folks who had money in the tip bot when it had to go down could have been like generationally wealthy, right? Like if you, if you were like <laughs> right. just a super doge fanatic, if you were just a doge fanatic and had like a hundred dollars in there at the time it went down, which is like not completely outlandish to think about, like, you know, it, 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 even, even that level, we're talking sort of like Silicon Valley company exits, right? Not like, right. you know, airbnb but like you you know you cruise a you you smash a few hundred million dollars and then you just chill for the rest of your life and it's like yeah retirement money for sure yeah imagine having like imagine being that close to retirement level money and the story of uh uh how you lost that retirement level money exist in like a reddit post that begins with like a line that's like a metaphor about like a dog passing away it's just like (laughs) holy um that's that's crazy i'm almost grateful i wasn't more into crypto earlier because you know i think a lot of people wish they gotten into crypto sooner but uh this story kind of confirms a suspicion i had which is if you were truly early you had no line of sight on what this could be worth and you were way more willing to spend it and take whatever gains you could get at that time. Um, So I think there's a bit of rose tinted glasses towards like, well, if I was way back in the day, I would have held on to my, you know, hundreds of Doge coins and be a millionaire today. But I, I, I think that's unrealistic and yeah, absolutely. um, You you have later is almost better. You have to really understand the mindset of it then is like, it was one of a thousand conversations happening. You know what I mean? Like I, I, like I, Cody, I bet we talked about Doge four times during that period of time and probably interacted with it a bunch randomly. Like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't something, especially early on that had the narrative it has today. And I think that's a really important point to make. Because it was just kind of a random thing around then. Um, well, and that's even kind of- in 2017, like I remember at the like peak hype of crypto in 2017 in the office, like yeah. we were all invested in, in altcoins, Ethereum and Bitcoin, whatever. And like Ryan's like, yeah, I'm sitting on like 
what, however much dough she had, were like, ha ha ha, that's hilarious. And, right. but, but clearly stupid, but hilarious right. and worth having for the joke of it. Right. Wow. I, it's, it's so funny how, how, yeah. I mean, like, so, like Sean said, so I, I remember right when I started at Twitch, they were trying to bring the, I think they brought the bot to Twitch at some point in time before I started working at Twitch. So most of my familiarity with, with, I, I did like a story on the, on the tip bot. Um, and then I remember that when I, when I started at Twitch, they tried to get a meeting, right? Who, you know, this is, everyone wants meetings, right? And I, I couldn't, I couldn't find anyone sort of like, you know, further up the, the, the ladder, the corporate ladder who like wanted to take a meeting, right? They were like Dogecoin, you know? Um, and, and it's so funny now because like, you know, those guys like as a, to sort of like test the product probably would have given you like a couple hundred thousand dollars if, yeah. if you would have sat in on the meeting and like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm embarrassed to ask my boss at the time. Cause it's like so weird. Uh, and it's just so wild. It's just so, so wild again, like how, how close so many people in the sort of like crypto, the crypto annals of time are like close to, to being Jeff Bezos and like Bill Gates level rich. Yeah. It's the, it's the direct inverse of like those points in time where you're like, you know, a car pulls out a little fast, but then stops and you kind of swerve around it. And you're like, wow, that could have been a horrible accident. If things had just timed out slightly differently, it's the positive version of that. And so like your current state is thus the, the car wreck that, that was less likely to happen, but is actually the right. The most likely scenario. Right. What's interesting about it, two points, uh, one, uh, I, I remember Cody, especially there was an overlap between esports and crypto, um, for a little while of people interested in it or talking about it. Um, it seemed to sort of scratch some of the same itch for some of those like players and stuff. Um, do you know anybody who's still active in that space or like, like esports or the, these two circles have overlapped at all since, and, and since then? No, no. I mean, it, it's, so you guys are probably deepest in the game from the, the f- folks that I talk to people in the office, uh, have sort of like a, uh, general interest. I'm actually sort of like maybe least interested, uh, 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 folks tech people. I'm sort of like, unaware of i'm aware of like a few esports players in this sort of like you know we talk about this like wave that occurred in like 2017 2018 i'm aware of like uh a really young like hearthstone kid that got like meaningful money through sort of like day trading at the time day, crypto day trading to like get out of the game but no no um yeah which is it's it's just so fascinating another another sort of like esports story so i, I definitely knew about about Bitcoin prior to 2013, because I remember when this story happened, I was like up to speed enough to sort of like understand how silly this was, right? So uh, there's a program called ESEA, and ESEA is sort of like a matchmaking tool that lives on your computer, um, and it has like a rigid anti-cheat woven into it. And like you would use it to sort of like play higher caliber games of like Counter-Strike, right? Like, so if you're really, really good at Counter-Strike, you would use ESEA to play better players with better anti-cheat on better servers than sort of like the default matchmaking system. Long story. So anyway, in 2013, 
a handful of, of DSEA users were like, man, my computer is just running like dog. What's going on? And it turns out that ESEA, and, and this was like, you know, a program used by hundreds of thousands of people. ESEA had installed backdoor Bitcoin miners on all of its clients' computers. And it mined and mined over like the course of like a weekend. It was thwarted pretty quickly. Like, you know, the then equivalent of like the $3,700, which is, uh, I, I did the math. Like I think Bitcoin was worth like $88 at the time. So it's 42 coins and 42 times 50,000. 50, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And what's, what's very funny is like, it it's like, you know, they almost assuredly got rid of it as, as quickly as possible. I think like the state of New Jersey gave ESEA like a small slap on the wrist. Um, and the sort of like funny thing about all of this is like, you know, again, this is just like a ridiculous story with the information we have now. It was a very funny story at the time because like that is a tremendous breach of your uh, the trust of your, your customers. Right. Um, but yeah, like New Jersey gave them like a slap on the wrist and that company got like bought by ESL, which is sort of like the biggest tournament organizer in the world one of them anyway and like you know eight years ago they like mined a bunch of bitcoin on their their customers computers and now like they host esports events in soccer stadiums um <laughs> and it's just like you know yeah, it's, it's just so it's so wild and, and at the time like it's it's changed so much and it's it's so fascinating to me to sort of like think about like if you're say like a 2008 or 2018 onward sort of like crypto enthusiast and you're like sort of missing the the context of like the early early years which i like mostly got through you know stories on reddit again i'm like a big crypto noob sort of like biggest use case from like 2010 until like maybe 2000 maybe 2014 2015 was like buying drugs right that yeah. was sort of like the right. the um certainly most visible use for for this right like there was always like those really resolute um, emphatic defenders of the sort of like underlying technology, which was like always noble to hear explained. But like, again, like, you know, it was like kids trying to get Molly on like Silk Road. That's what like this was being used for. And like, dude, imagine if you were like deep in it in 2012, 2013, you know what I mean? Like you're getting right. blow every couple of weeks from some guy on the, in the Silk Road for, you know, What's worth a hundred million dollars now? Holy, <laughs> yeah, that was a poor well, investment. It turns so out we're kind of dancing around the larger thought I've been wanting to mention, which is like Max and I've talked about this a little bit, but there's like a interesting displacement of wealth um, gen- uh, uh, between generations that I think we're seeing through crypto, where crypto is making some young people absurdly rich to where it's starting to sort of break some of the traditional structures of old white guys rich and calls the shots and it's really interesting to see the very beginnings of how that's starting to bleed over into the real world um and uh cody have you did you see the miami heat stadium thing no no so FTX is an exchange run by this guy named Sam Bankman Freed, who's uh, kind of like the the crypto wonder kid right now. And he's like this 28-year-old kid who found um, that Bitcoin was trading in Korea at a different, at like a 5 to 25% higher rate than it was trading in the United States because of regulations. And so he figured out a system to basically buy it switch it to korean 
and then sell it. And then, you know, like through the banks, bank transfer back to the United States and just basically found a complete legal like loophole or leak in crypto and like the not 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 the the technology but just like the community or the like interaction with the technology was was griftable right tbh we love to see that and this dude this dude made 15 billion dollars in like two years yeah just Um, through arbitrage of the different crypto markets totally wild and um he now runs an exchange called FTX and a decentralized exchange called Serum, which is really, really fascinating. But um, the big promotional thing that they just did is they bought the naming rights. FTX just bought the naming rights for the Miami Heat um, stadium for the next, like, 20 years. Um, and uh, I read an interview with them and him and the mayor, it was, a, it, was a, it was like a podcast. It was weird. It was, it was him, the mayor of Miami, and the podcast host talking about this and the podcast host was like, you know, are you worried that this is a boom? And, you know, if you're trying to pay the next 18 years of your, like your deal with the Miami heat, you know, for the naming rights that you won't have the money. And he's like, we had a good enough year where we're, we're good. We've already solved that problem. Like the amount of money flowing into crypto is, changing dramatically another interesting piece of this kid and kind of why i'm mentioning this in this kind of generation not yeah i guess generational wealth change displacement is um he's all about altruism and like don't massive donations and stuff and he's trying to like build that culture into the sort of crypto space and in the communities but he was the second highest donor to joe biden's campaign behind michael bloomberg um and has just a, done a ton of interesting things in the space in the last like two years. And it's like, when I think about 15 billion, like, like that's an inconceivable number for a 28 year old to have, um, and made it through just like a, a, a weird mismatch in the system of, of money that is kind of happening online. Um, it's, it's strange. I think I think we're going to see a lot of these stories of kind of this old these old guard who who weren't you know your 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 tech billionaires your your business moguls making this money. It's like random dude number thirty seven who made you know a couple of like digital good like digital art things and they sold for sixty nine million dollars and then now like people in that art community selling for $69 million at a Christie's auction is just like, that's $69 million in the art community that wasn't there yesterday. And in a corner of it, that's never seen anything like that. Um, I don't know. I'm just really excited about the, the future of um, wealth moving out of older generations and into younger generations to see what culture comes from that. And I think we're seeing the beginnings of that right now. And it's just already proving to be, very promising. No, I, I I agree, and I think I I think the you sort of you sort of nailed it. What makes it that interesting for for me? It's less so about like the sort of like the the dollar amount, but I think a real unfortunate you know truth about society is like money just makes your life so much easier. So I think like the, the really cool thing is not like hey wow there's like a lot of zeros in this bank account, but it's like that 
uh and i mean i think like you know you could sort of like debate whether this is unfortunate or fortunate but like the 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 sort of like outcome from a liberated younger class who like you know now has the benefit of like free time just because like you know the the biggest grind that you have in your life just like getting money to sort of like continue to be able to not die uh is taken care of i think that's great and that's what i think is the interesting thing is like you know the culture shifting when like you know there are way more wealthy young people than there have ever been i think that's the fascinating part yeah i I hope it uh it really starts to address some of these sort of deeper existential larger world problems in a way where at least a new voice and younger voices are at the table um it's it i feel like that we're in desperate need of that a, a sort of a refresh in in that space um and seeing some some people like sam sort of start to set the tempo and sort of the really define the top end of the culture um in this way i think is really really awesome which is strange to see compared to you know your elon musk who is yes he's richer but not really that much richer and sort of the way he's kind of positioned himself in context to things like doge um which are just like really silly and goofy in a way that i think cheapens um the larger social movement that's happening and even that like i think i'm sure cody you you follow to some degree the like gamestop situation that had happened or at least probably saw some memes or some shit about it but um, I think something really important happened then, which was that the average consumer realized that like a deep v- idea about money is that like value is imaginary and money is imaginary. And if you all agree something is worth something, then it is. And we saw that with GameStop first and all that show that went down. And now we're seeing it in Doge and like, do I think it's absurd? And do I think, do I own any Doge at all? None. I know I, I own zero Doge, but I'm fascinated to see a coin grow in this way, considering the original creator in like these Doge top Doge uh, bot tip guys like are out of the game and Doge is largely a dead project. Um, still be relevant in this way and really show that a community rallying around a token has has weight and can throw throw weight around the corner or throw weight around the world um in meaningful places which you know in 2014 2015 was sponsoring a a a nascar um but you know now in 2021 is like you know throwing money at an election um it's interesting to see how much the space has changed uh just in that period of time no no i mean you're you're absolutely on the the money and they were doing benevolent stuff with them too. I think, you know, um, uh, maybe I'm softening the blow cause I'm worried that they'll end up hearing this podcast, but they'd like the, my university in 2013 or 14, there was like a, a bus full of would be freshmen that were coming to like tour the campus that like, there was like a, a, a bus crash and like a couple of people were like seriously injured. I can't remember if someone, passed away but like they know donated like 70 or seven thousand dollars i think to sort of like help the families of that like there were benevolent things occurring um and that was sort of like the spirit of doge and i'm like optimistic and i hope that some folks from like you know the that early community like wrote it out and you know maybe there's some like 
they donated to Haiti, for example, right? Like I remember that too, right? Mm-hmm. Like I certainly hope that there were some like donors from some of those earliest campaigns that like kept some Dogecoin tucked away and then like are gonna sort of like, you know, the the weird twist that the world takes, like you know, uh, now the sh- sun shines upon them and, and they remember, hey, I, I have some Doge in this wallet. That's like $70,000 now. We're seeing that. Yeah, I think uh, I've seen some stuff like that in the Dogecoin communities as well as in the GameStop community, which I think is really, really cool. Um, I think the narrative's changed a lot in the last month. Um, but actually, I'm, I'm, I, this is the other piece I wanted to mention from this guy's post. I have it up that it was from... Post was on May 7th, 2017. This is the last uh, like paragraph of this post. Again, this is from 2017. Dogecoin used to be fun back when it wasn't worth anything. We were, the, we were the coin that made fun of people looking for a quick profit. Over time, it turned into everything I hate about crypto. I just didn't see it happening since it was I was in the middle of it. And I just find that to be so fascinating that that was a sentiment this guy shared four years ago you know, when Dogecoin was worth, I, I forget what you, seventh, one seven thousandth of what it is today. Um, and it's interesting to see how internet communities grow and change and evolve. And, um, you know, it's interesting to think kind of a lot of people in the Doge community talk about the whales and how if the, if the Dogecoin whales are going to move coins, then that has all of these signals for things like that. And the reality is, Though the people we're talking about, whether we're talking about this particular guy or just other people in the Dogecoin community, like those are the whales. They are the people who were these this part of this really benevolent, silly, fun, very welcoming community. Um, so I hope that uh, that spirit is still alive in those people because that community back then was just like it was really refreshing. Uh, and really silly and that was a new idea it wasn't a oh it's a meme that means it's a get rich quick scheme um so it's interesting to see just kind of this trajectory yeah i mean doge like as 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 sort of like silly as it is i think if you really distill it like a lot of the sort of like jargon that makes the you know this wave of sort of like high liquidity let's move stuff around all of the time that is actually borrowed from the doge community like to the moon was an ironic phrase that the sort of like the doge kids use when that was worth like fractions of a penny and they said it because like you know it was steadily increasing in value but like you still needed at the time like hundreds of thousands or millions of coins for it to truly be worth anything so you said it in sort of like a farcical sense like to the moon and that's yeah. sort of like a rallying cry that like, you know, I, as best I can discern, like still kind of exists. I saw it in like mm-hmm. the GameStop uh, thing. And I think that like that culture, you know, from this goofy ass meme coin that like at one point in time was a goofier meme coin than it is now, um, <laughs> like really sort of set the set the tone of like the, you know, the sort of like the silliness and like, hey, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it fast. Let's keep it fun. Um, and I hope some of those those early early Doge kids still got the still got the guap, and I, I hope that some of them saw their payday. And I certainly hope that the you know, the the burn wasn't too bad for the the folks with their their cash in the in the tip bot. But man, is it a fucking weird weird world? It is, and I think at a minimum, you know, I hope they 
they appreciate that they've really dictated a lot of the culture, uh, at least the side of the culture within the crypto space, uh, which I think is great and, and healthy uh, for the space to maintain. Yeah, it definitely, you know, it, it, it certainly lacked the sort of like the occasional, you know, I do I do peer into the sort of like the very cerebral um, theoretical conversations about uh, uh cryptocurrency from time to time again is like sort of like a just a uh a voyeur like i'm i'm i think i have like pennies worth of bitcoin now however if any of your listeners know what can exchanges there were after mountain gox maybe i got like in 100 granted dogecoin somewhere um that was certainly absent in dogecoin <laughs> those kind of conversations you know that really is sort of like hey what are the practical uses of, of this were like uh absent but the the fun ones were occurring i'm i'm very committed to trying to activate our very small community to try to help you figure out what exchanges existed back then. Um, and and maybe, ba- was, maybe we do a part two of this, uh, this interview. And, I like and we, we find where you actually had your coin stored. Yeah. So there's like two, there's two possibilities. It's either they tipped me and then I activated the wallet and accepted the tip. Um, which meant like my doge only ever existed in the wallet, which was uh, Doubled up. destroyed. Yeah. In, in 2017. And I think it's possible. Maybe I bought some doge based on, um, based on the sort of like series of tips that I did in uh, all those, those silly, like 420 tips that I did in 2015, because I like in my head, I'm thinking like, would they have like, you know, it wasn't worth much at the time. Like maybe they, I, I don't know. Like, I, but I think it's possible. I think it's possible, but for what it's worth, I did like, you know, I looked through every inbox that I could remember searching for, for Doge. It's the, I know that Coinbase hadn't like really sort of like, uh, uh, Coinbase still doesn't have it listed. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. So I know it's not that, but at, at the time I th- I'm like, not even sure that Coinbase existed. Oh, but, right. Um, Good point. um, so who knows, but if you get any hot tips, let me know. Dinners, Whoa. if you know, if I, I cash out like 50k plus in Doge, uh, you guys, dinner on me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep you posted on what we can find for sure. But, uh, dude, Cody, this is was epic. Um, thank you for telling the story to me because like, I definitely had never heard this before. So, this was really uh thrilling and puts all the insanity we see today in perspective. So, thanks, dude, for coming on. Yes. Thank you so much, man. No, I mean, thank you guys for having me. It was, uh, we don't, we don't talk nearly as frequently as we do. So this gave, uh, this gave us a great excuse. Um, thank your, your listeners for listening in. Um, and then if there's a, there's a part two, that probably means there was good news. So, um, if you, if you hear from me again, or catastrophic uh, news, either one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We should at least (laughs) break it as a headline and on an, on a future episode. Yeah, I like I'm called in front of Congress just like retell the Dogecoin story or something, right? Because they're like, you know what I mean? Some some seriously wounded Dogecoin tipper from 2014, like, you know, is is now searching for their what they believe is their billions of dollars. Um, yeah. If I'm thinking about what's best for the podcast, that is absolutely the scenario that I am praying for right now. Listen, listen, um, can't can't rule it out as a possibility, um, but I, I certainly hope that that's not the case. So, so Cody, if, uh, uh, do you want to plug your, uh, your Twitter? 
if uh yeah. people want to follow yeah. you or or have any find any wallets or uh anything yes yes if you have any hot tips uh on wallets that's that's probably most important to me um you can find me on twitter at twitter.com slash evoli that's e-v-o-l-i um if you're not an esports person i'd say about 33 percent of the content will make no sense to you you sort of understand esports i think actually my my twitter's very very good because it's sort of like super bizarre surrealist humor about esports and then then also sort of like world events and politics so um that's that's where i'm most active twitter twitter.com slash evoli e-v-o-l-i awesome thanks again for coming on really appreciate it dude thank you for having me